How are you now? Uh-huh. How are you right now? It's coming along this season, isn't it? Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and uh, a little bit pissed off today. Um, I, I don't want to give away the farm. Uh, before I get into the episode, as you guys all know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I don't give away the score at the beginning, but if the, if I'm already a little bit pissed off before I even start uh, actually going through the recap, you can probably take a wild guess as to what happened in that game, and most of you have probably already at least seen the score, if not watched the entire game. Uh, for those who haven't, I won't give away the score, but we're going to get into one here. Your Montreal Canadiens uh, playing the second half of a back-to-back. They were in New Jersey last night, uh, played a very good game, and took a win off of an ostensibly superior roster and then they had to fly to Ottawa to play tonight against the lowly Ottawa Senators the worst team in the Eastern Conference so we're gonna get into it this is a team that you know probably most nights you would expect the Habs to be able to beat Um, but could they could they offer a similar effort to the one that they had the previous night against the New Jersey Devils well before we get to that I do got to let you know that with the NFL playoffs in full swing and also the NBA season Bet online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. You can bet on the Habs if you want to. Might not be a great idea. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds, and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. it's where the game starts. And your Montreal Canadiens, uh, well, they sure started their game against the Ottawa Senators. Honestly, for the first couple of minutes, they looked like the better team. The Sens, let's be honest, okay? They're a lesson in not declaring your fucking rebuild over until it's actually over. I know they've got a new management group, new ownership even, in place in Ottawa. But Pierre Dorion, the uh, previous general manager, he kind of, well, he straight up announced it. He said the rebuild was done. And... Um, then they started making trades and making moves, not just acting like the rebuild was done, but, but you know, making moves like the rebuild was done, trading picks. And then we see the situation that they're in now and you go, well, maybe should have held on to the picks. Maybe should have, you know, not made moves as a team that the rebuild was done. And they've had a very rough go uh, to start this season. So early on in the game, Habs looking like the better team for the first two minutes or so. I'm like, yes, as you should. Now, can you do this? For the remaining 58 minutes of the game, the answer to that question was a resounding no because the Sens started coming with counter-strikes relatively often in the first period. I'm like, the Habs can't be dicking around like this. And then sure enough, as sure as God's got sandals, a golden chance for the Habs. Sean Monaghan rings it off the crossbar and the post. Ottawa takes it the other way on a counter. And I almost said Matthew Kachuk. Brady Kachuk gets one under the blocker of Caden Primo. Chicken wings him. This is one Primo should have stopped, but it goes in, and it's one nothing for the Senators. Not long after that, Habs can't hold the offensive zone. Uh, they leave uh, Jaden Struble's back there all alone to defend a two-on-one. It's Tim Stutzel coming in. He just keeps, shoots. Blocker side again on Caden Primo, 2 nothing. That one, I don't think he really could have stopped, so I'm not going to charge that one to Caden Primo. But shots are 15-2 to two at this point, so it's hard to charge anything to Caden Primo because... You know, the Habs are really not playing in front of them. They're leaving them out to dry. And it's not going well at all anymore. They do not look like the better team. They look like the far worse team. Uh, once again, with just a completely flat effort coming off of a back-to-back. And uh, But 
Just over five minutes to play in the period. Joshua Roy lobs the puck into the offensive zone. Monaghan goes in there and wins the puck battle, digs it out, finds Cole Caulfield coming on after a change, and he fires it. Off the glove of Eunice Corpusalo, it goes up in the air and trickles its way over the line into the net. Cole Caulfield has himself another goal, and it's only 2-1. to one. On the third shot of the game for the Habs, they find a goal. Late in the frame, Michael Pizzetta throws hands with Zach McEwen. He's given up about 3 inches and like 25 pounds to Zach McEwen and beats his fucking ass. I'm thinking, you know, we're, we're down just one goal after a brutal first period. We get that fight out of Pizzetta. Could we maybe take some momentum into the second period and, and, and try to turn this game around? Absolutely the fuck not. It gets worse in the second period. Uh, I, I don't even really know how to, how to quite explain this frame. Uh, they had no energy whatsoever. Nothing that Pizzetta did at the end of that frame, did any uh, end of the first frame, that is, did anything for them. Um, shot coming from the point, and Caden Primo, for some reason, slides out to stop it. I, sh- I thought that shot was going wide anyways, or he could have just steered it into the corner. <clears throat> but he kicks it kind of back out in front of him. And Rourke uh, Chartier comes in and gets to it first, puts it in the net. It's 3-1. to one. That one was preventable. I kind of charged that one to Primo. Keep all of these in mind because we're going to talk about this at the end of the recap. Um, later, another rush chance for the Sens. This time it's Vladimir Tarasenko beating Kim Primo to the glove side. We know. Shooters tend to try and shoot glove on him because it's one of his weak areas. And he absolutely should have stopped that Tarasenko shot. It wasn't that good of a shot. And he was in perfect position to make a save. But it's 4-1. to one. Insult to injury at the end of the period. Um, the Sens are shorthanded, and Claude Giroux gets a shorthanded goal. Luckily, there was a goaltender interference there. Martin Saint-Louis would challenge it, and he would get that goal called back. But it was cold comfort because they're going into the third period down 4-1 and not looking like they've got a shot in hell of getting another goal, let alone making a comeback in this game. And uh, sure enough, Mathieu Joseph, uh, less than two minutes into the third period, he makes it 5-1. Habs would pull Caden Primo with like eight minutes to go, and Parker Kelly would get an empty netter. Uh, Michael Pizzetta would get a garbage time uh, wrister off the rush to make it 6-2 to two and save a little bit of face for the Montreal Canadiens, but that's your final score, 6-2. to two. I'm sorry for breezing through the recap so quickly there. I do not have it in me to really go through every detail of that piece of shit game that the Montreal Canadiens just put up. Uh, what did I say last night when I recorded my episode? I said, all I want, I don't care if you lose. I just want to see a good effort. And we saw the complete polar opposite of that. We saw a piss poor effort, which they do every single time that they've got a back to back. The second half is a throwaway game. They might as well forfeit it before they get on the ice because they make things worse every time they actually get on the ice in one of those games. I do not have a silver lining for you from that game. If you really want, I guess the silver lining could be Michael Pizzetta having the stones to fight a guy that's like 30 pounds heavier than him. But outside of that, there is no positive in that game. That was absolutely horrendous. I This is now two different worst teams in their respective conferences. So they did this against the Sharks, looked like absolute dog shit, and lost to the Sharks, who are the worst team in the league, not just the Western Conference. And then they do it against the Senators, worst team in the Eastern Conference, and they put up a piss-poor effort. Again, I want to stress this because I know people are going to come at me and they're going to say, why are you so upset about a loss? You said before you don't care about losing. I don't give a shit about losses. I do give a shit when they lose and they look like that. That's horrible. And I do not, same thing I said after the Sharks game, I do not want to hear a single person talk to me about them being tired professional athletes man figure it out do some fucking cardio get on the bike get on the treadmill 
go for a run out in the woods. I don't care how you do it. Get yourself ready to be able to play two games in two nights. You make millions of dollars. There are tons of guys, tons of guys in the AHL, in European leagues, wherever, you name it, who would love to be in your position and who would work their bag off to have the opportunity to play two games in two nights. And you guys go out there and fucking meander around like it's a Sunday leisure skate. Stop that. Just stop that. I mean, I've had enough. I don't want to watch these back-to-back games anymore. Honestly, if, if it wasn't part of my job with EOTP and with the podcast, I wouldn't watch them. I would skip the second half of the back-to-back. And that's saying something because I have not missed a Habs game. In, uh, I think the last time that I missed one was six years ago. I, I don't miss Habs games. Even before I was doing the podcast, I never miss Habs games. It and these these second half of the back to back are getting me to a point where I don't want to watch them. That's how that's how unwatchable the product is that the Montreal Canadiens are putting out, and that's really my problem. Not the fact that they lost, the way that they lost, the product on the ice. So, I I would like to end the podcast here, but there are some things that we need to discuss, and most notably is I think Ken Primo. Now I, I want to be super clear. I don't want to lay this loss at the feet of Ken Primo. I don't think, like, even if he played his best game of his life, don't think the Habs are going to win that one. Uh, that was brutal. But by my count, there was at least three goals that could be charged directly to him. The Tarasenko one, the uh, Kachuk one, and the Chartier one. For me, those three for sure were charged to Primo, and you could make a case for it being four. So if you want to play the hypothetical game, and I know hockey doesn't work this way, hypothetically, you could make the argument that, well, you know, if he doesn't let in four goals, then what's the score at the end of that game? 2-2. I don't want anybody to do that, all right? Again, for me, it was at least three, maybe four. And yeah, you could say the Habs would have had a better chance at winning that game, for sure, if he played uh, a good game, if he didn't let in some of those goals that he probably should have stopped. However, at the same time, I think this is a lesson to the Habs, that you cannot simply put up a bullshit effort and expect your goaltender to bail you out and get you to overtime. You, you can't. And I, I feel like in many ways that's what they were doing in that game is they were hoping, all right, we're just going <laughs> to we're just gonna pray that our goaltender can get us to overtime and see what happens from there. And look, I, I bring up Primo because this is just one of those concerning efforts from him. Like he's had some really, really good games this season, but then we get games like this and that's the consistency issue. And this is why when I've talked about the possibility of trading goaltenders, my hierarchy or my order of goaltenders that I would trade first to last is Jake Allen, number one, Ken Primo, number two, and Samuel Montembeau was the last one I'd trade. I would hang on to him above the other two. And Ken Primo is, is getting to the territory with a game like that, where I go, you know what? I might even pull the trigger on you before Allen because I think you would get us more in a trade because you're younger. Um, and I, I think that's unfortunate, but he just doesn't have the consistency. He, he doesn't. And uh, th- that game was a perfect example. I, I don't think Ottawa was making things too difficult on him. Um, getting chicken winged by Kachuk on a shot that didn't even look like it had full velocity on it. Like Kachuk almost looked surprised that it went in at first. And then he celebrated, you know, as, as goal scorers do, they're going to celebrate. But he did, he kind of looked surprised that that actually got through. I don't think he was expecting it to. And uh, look, that was a rough outing from Primo. And I, I think he's capable of better. But I also think that 
there comes a point where you have to go, all right, the inconsistency doesn't seem to be going away. Maybe we give you an opportunity with another team and we take what we can get on the way out uh, in terms of assets. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see because uh, at his last press conference, Kent Hughes didn't seem super sold on the idea of trading any of his goaltenders, but that could have also just been posturing for him to make sure that other GMs aren't holding his feet to the fire. So we will see. I think uh, as this month rolls along, we're, we're getting closer and closer to the deadline. Um, we, we might start seeing them, you know, pick up and make some moves. I don't know if Kent Hughes is necessarily a guy that'll wait all the way to the deadline to do anything, but we're going to find out sooner than later. Outside of the net, man... <laughs> There were only three players that I felt had good games. I wouldn't call them great games, but good games. And it was that same line that did really well the night prior against the Devils. It was Joshua Hoya, Yoel Armia, and Sean Monaghan. Those were the three best players that they had on the ice. And, um, you know, again, they weren't spectacular. Actually, I liked a lot of what Joshua Hoya was doing out there. Uh, Sean Monaghan created some chances. And Armia, again, it was another good game in a row for him. It's just unfortunate that nobody else played. Nobody else showed up. Cole Caulfield showed up in spurts. He was shooting the puck like he really wanted to put it through the net. Never mind, actually put it in the net. Um, Nick Suzuki made a few decent plays, but he was nowhere near the level of effort that he had in the previous night. Uh, Brendan Gallagher looked bad. He tried to fight Tim Stutzel at one point, as if that guy's going to drop the mitts with you. What are you doing? Uh, David Savard was brutal, uh, absolutely brutal. Mike Matheson was brutal. Um, Justin Barron, actually, Justin Barron was not bad. Justin Barron was not bad in that game. He might have been the best uh, defenseman in that game. Him, him and Jordan Harris, I thought, were, were okay, uh, which isn't saying much. Jaden Struble had a rough night. Uh, Caden Gooley was uncharacteristically bad in that game, flopping all over the place. Um, he, he did make a play at one point that was pretty good, but um, like just the, the overall <laughs> effort level in that game was nil. It was non-existent, and... You're not going to win in the NHL like that. It doesn't matter if you play the worst team in the league. We've seen it twice now. Again, the Sharks and the Senators. Worst team in their respective conferences. One of them is the worst in the league. We've seen it twice now with the Habs going out, having zero effort, looking lifeless. And you you don't get to skate on those games. They got they were a lot closer against the Sharks. It was only 3-2 instead of 6-2. But you, it's the NHL, man. The worst teams in the league still have some of the best players in the fucking world. If you can't show up for the game and actually play it, then just forfeit it. Like, don't make us sit here and watch this bullshit. Uh, oh, man. I'm, I'm getting myself worked up and angry all over again. Um, I, don't, I just don't have anything positive to say about that game. I'm tired of watching it. Um, our RDS mentioned that their record in back-to-backs this season is 1-8. It's like when you schedule these guys two games in 24 hours, they just, they look at their calendar with wide eyes and they start freaking out. And then when they get to the game, they just panic and, and then they they, sh- they close up shop the moment they get scored on. And it's incredibly frustrating to watch. Professional athletes, man, figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. I, I'll, take, I'll take a quarter of your salary right now and I'll figure it out. I'll get out there. I'm not going to look very good. Let's be perfectly honest. But I'll get out there and I'll figure it out myself. Uh, I'll, I'll give you energy for two nights, that's for sure. And again, there's plenty of guys who are a lot better at hockey than me that would love to take your fucking spots in the lineup uh, and go out there and give you effort for two nights in a row. Uh, it would be no problem for those guys. So you guys better figure this out because uh, I think we're all tired of watching this on these back-to-backs. Absolutely disgusting, embarrassing effort. And it's not going to get any easier for them either. On Saturday night, they got to play against the Boston Bruins. Currently... One of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I think they actually might be number one. Um, 
I'm, I'm not going to go check the standings right now because it's going to make me more upset. So, look, I, I'm going to stop with the anger for a little bit. Uh, again, I think if you want to look for positives, um, the, the second line there, I guess they're the second line at this point, Roy with Monaghan and Armia. That's two good games in a row for them. Hopefully they can carry that into the Boston game. They're going to need more than one line working against Boston, though. So I hope that um, whatever they discuss on the bus ride home happens to be how to get their heads right ahead of playing one of the best teams in the league because uh, they're going to need it. And I will say the same thing that I said going into this Ottawa game. I do not care if they lose to the Bruins. They're supposed to lose to the Bruins. The Bruins currently, uh, now I am looking at the schedule, not at the not at the standings. I'm looking at the schedule and their record is on there. 26-8-9. and nine. So they've lost eight regulation games this season. This is not a team that is very easy to beat by any stretch and... I don't think that we can reasonably expect these Montreal Canadiens to beat them. But what I can reasonably expect is energy and effort. I want to see some energy and I want to see some effort. Also probably want to see a different goalie in for that one. I don't think we should hand Kane Primo that game. That's going to be a pretty rough outing for him if that's what he's going to look like against Ottawa. That being said, if they give better effort and if they look alive in that game at the very least, I will be perfectly fine with a loss. No problems. You won't hear me back here ranting again and calling it disgusting and everything else and swearing my head off. I will be fine with it. So please, Habs, give us a good effort against the Bruins. And for the love of God, give give more minutes to that, that second line. I want to see them over 10 minutes uh, at 5-on-5 five five in that game. Because uh, I'm looking at the, the minutes that were played now, and they were actually, by, by ice time, they were the third line. The Jake Evans line with uh, Rafael Harvey-Pinard and Brendan Gallagher was technically the second line, if you're looking only at ice time, which I know is not an accurate measure of who is or is not the second line. But I want to see that that Juan Monaghan armia line. I want to see them get up over 10. Like, let's let's work them a little bit, all right? I know Juan is still very, you know, young uh, in his NHL career. It's going to be game number what, number four for him. Um, so you, you don't want to overwork him. But at the same time, uh, I think he's he's showing you something, and that line is showing you something. So reward them for it, right? Push them up a little bit, get them a little bit more ice time. See what they can do, right? It's it's a season of learning. My only issue is you don't learn shit when you don't show up to play against the worst team in the Eastern Conference. So that's why I'm so upset right now. But that's enough out of me. I'm gonna cut it off there before I get more angry all over again. Uh, we're running over 18 minutes, almost 19. So c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Soirée un peu frustrante, mais uh, c'est des choses qui arrivent parfois. Um, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.